we always say you're better off working on the business rather than in the business. Because if you're if you're in the weeds, you're and and doing things that you know you could delegate to somebody else, you're you're probably not focusing on what truly matters, which is generating revenue. Let's discover what people are building in the greater Cleveland community. We are telling the stories of Northeast Ohio's entrepreneurs, builders, and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with John McKenna, the CEO of Peachtree VA, a virtual assistant staffing organization, and also president of the Emerald Group, a premier mortgage recruiting firm. Based here in Cleveland, Ohio, John acquired Peachtree VA early in 2022 to grow their vetted virtual assistant offering in the wake of a flourishing virtual assistant industry where entrepreneurs, startups, small businesses, nonprofits, executive directors, and other business models are often stretched thin. And using a virtual assistant can gain back some of their time, reduce their cost, and streamline their business. We cover a lot in our conversation today, from the ins and outs of entrepreneurship via acquisition and what that actually looks like in practice, to the nuance of this quickly evolving virtual assistant space, how to effectively delegate the implications of the gig economy, supplementing exhaustive and costly hiring processes, and what comes next for Peachtree VA as John continues to grow the business from here, focused on helping their clients focus on what matters most. So please enjoy my conversation with John McKenna after a brief message from our sponsor. Lay of the Land is brought to you by Impact Architects and by 90. As we share the stories of entrepreneurs building incredible organizations in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio, Impact Architects has helped hundreds of those leaders, many of whom we have heard from as guests on this very podcast, realize their own visions and build these great organizations. I believe in Impact Architects and the people behind it so much that I have actually joined them personally in their mission to help leaders gain focus, align together, and thrive by doing what they love. If you two are trying to build great, Impact Architects is offering to sit down with you for a free consultation or provide a free trial through 90, the software platform that helps teams build great companies. If you're interested in learning more about partnering with Impact Architects or by leveraging 90 to power your own business, please go to ia.layoftheland.fm. The link will also be in our show notes. So I'd love to start if we can just kind of unpack your professional journey. You know, if there was a thread that that tied your your career together, let's let's pull on that a little bit and help us understand, you know, where you're coming from, where your interest in, in entrepreneurship stems from, and how you uh, have navigated that that whole journey. Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me, my friend. I, uh, I'm a fan of the podcast. You've had a number of my buddies on in, in the past, and you do a great job getting the, you know, the Cleveland leaders out in this space. And we, we appreciate your, your labor of love. So my background is I, uh, I'm a Cleveland guy, born and raised here, grew up on the east side in the Heights, now live out in Pepper Pike. But I, uh, uh, I, you know, after college, I kind of fell into the world of recruiting, which, uh, you know, many, many people don't go to school to be a recruiter. It's kind of one of those industries where you just kind of fall into. So 
you know, I found out that I was, I was good at it, you know, so I, I stuck with it. I, I worked mostly in the mortgage recruiting space for about 15 years, worked f- internally for some large banks, uh, both Chase and PNC, and then some, some large uh, mortgage lenders. So uh, I, I'd always wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to, you know, create my own thing. It was always in the back of my mind. And, and uh, about four years ago, I, I took that leap of faith and started the Emerald Group. So the, our our main focus on that is mortgage recruiting, which is what I've always done. So I started off on my own. I was uh, lucky enough to bring my brother back from uh, California to to come join me here. So he's uh, you know he's he's been an integral part of the team, and uh, you know, we've we've grown that. I think we've got you know eight or nine recruiters with us here on the Emerald Group side of things. So. I'll tell you when you're going from a kind of a cushy corporate salary and, and that jumping into the, you know, your, your own thing. It's uh, I, I, I don't know if I would have done it, if I would have known exactly all that it entailed, but I'm, I'm glad I took the leap. You know, certainly one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. And, you know, there's, there's never a dull moment, but it's, it's fun. Every day is fun. I, I get up every day, look forward to what I'm doing. So that, that goes a long way. Well, and I like that framing cause it, maybe it's, it's leading the witness a little, but I, I know where, where it, the, the story may ultimately lead and knowing what you know now, having decided to acquire a, a company instead of start one, <laughs> is that a consequence of, of some of those learnings uh, along the way? Well, so yeah, I mean, I, I started the Emerald Group and that's, that came with its own set of challenges when you're starting a company. I, I'll tell you, the, the company I acquired is called Peachtree VA and we are a virtual assistant staffing firm. So I wish I can tell you this, I wish I would have had a virtual assistant when I was starting my company because there would have would have made life a heck of a lot easier. And there, there were a lot of things I could have delegated that would have, uh, you know, helped me along in that that journey. But uh, when I acquired Peachtree, it was, it was interesting. I had never done it, obviously, before. And it was something I, I just, it was another thing when I, the reason I, I did it is because, you know, I tend to, if, if things aren't moving, I tend to get bored and, and stagnant and, and I don't like that. So I, I was actually looking at acquiring something else in the, in the recruiting space, similar to what I'm doing now, but I got introduced luckily to, uh, to Peachtree and the virtual assistant staffing world. And it was uh, something that I kind of fell in love with and our, our goals aligned with the former owner and we were able to get a deal done. And it's, it's been, you know, just over a year now and it's been an awesome ride. Hmm. So this this entrepreneurship via acquisition model, I don't know if it's just the the frequency effect, but it it feels anecdotally to me like it's something I'm hearing a lot more about recently, and I think it's a really interesting approach and take to to entrepreneurship. And I I've been particularly looking forward to talking with you about it because you you really have kind of gone through both sides of you know, this, this journey through entrepreneurship, both from inception and scratch and zero and, and really creating something, but also running with something that has already had some, some real progress. So we can get to, you know, your kind of reflections, but I'm curious as you were evaluating different opportunities, targets in the acquisition process, what was it about Peachtree that resonated? What, what was the opportunity that, that you saw there? Well, the opportunity for me was, it, it was a space that I knew little about quite candidly, but it was something that the uh, the previous owner, she had built an incredible business and she was doing everything you know herself from all the sales calls to all that, but she'd also built an incredible corporate team that she had in place. And, and I really believed in in that corporate team and and I had got to know them. And that, that was the goal. When you come into something, when you're not 
incredibly well versed in the space, you you really have to lean on other people to uh, to make sure that it's a successful transition. So my my number one goal was to you know keep that corporate team in place, which we did, and we've been able to add to it and and grow. But I, yeah, I think when you were talking about, I mean, I looked at a number of other you know quote unquote targets, but uh, I mean the the fact that this uh, previous owner of Peachtree had had really built the mousetrap, so to speak, and she had she had all the all the systems in place, and, and she was so well organized that I, I couldn't even believe it. She it gave me a, a bit of anxiety knowing what I I did in my uh, in my previous business, and I was was nowhere near to the level of organization that she had uh, had brought on. So that that honestly, I mean, that was a godsend, and that that made it made the transition and and incredibly easy because that that just goes a long way with you know if if you can. And I would tell this to anybody who's out there, you know, possibly selling a business. If you can really, you know, if you can have all your ducks in a row and you can, you know, have everything laid out there for, for potential sellers, that goes a long way. Because I, I looked at a number of businesses out there that were were just a complete mess, frankly. So she had done an incredible job of that. And, you know, her, she she had built a business that she didn't need to sell. It wasn't a business that it was a profitable business. You know, she was just at a time in her life with uh, some some young children that she was she was ready to move on and, and she didn't want to scale it. And I, I, I saw the opportunity, especially, you know, with my recruiting background and my recruiting firm that I already had, this was, uh, they, they did a little bit of recruiting, but this had kind of a built-in client base of, of X amount of clients that were already uh, working with Peachtree and, and their virtual assistant staffing. So I figured, uh, you know, we could, we'd be able to come in and have some natural synergy there and, and be able to do some recruiting work for them. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it worked out well. It's, uh, but it's, yeah, it's been a, been a fun ride. <laughs> well, we spend a, a lot of time here on the show understanding, you know, how it is to start something right for, from scratch. I don't think we've spent as much time understanding what it is to acquire another company. And so I, I'd love kind of from a, a rudimentary, you know, understanding what, what does that process actually look like? How do you handle the the transition and, and just the, the, the kind of mechanism of actually, you know, assuming ownership of, a, of another organization? Yeah. So I, I guess to get the ball rolling, so to speak, I mean, her business was listed. So there was a business broker involved and and I met with a lot of business brokers over my time when I was looking at other businesses. And and I would say that uh, many of them are people that I, I wouldn't want to grab a cup of coffee with. They, were, they weren't, <laughs> you know, weren't the type of people that you felt really comfortable around. But this broker was actually, he was, he seemed very ethical. He'd been doing it for 30 years. He, he just seemed different. And I had the gut feeling from talking with him that, you know, it was at least right to go down the path. So you've got to do a lot of due diligence in that. I mean, this is, you know, I, I just read a great book called Buy Then Build by, uh, his name is Walker Diebell, I believe. And I wish I would have read it before I uh, had, had purchased the business, but, you know, su- such is life. So, you know, you can put together, uh, you know, a, a great plan when you're going through the exercise of of doing the due diligence on the business. But at the end of the day, every, everybody's got a, a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? I mean, so so things are always going to, you know, go a little bit sideways, but th- that's okay. You have to, you have to adapt. You've got to be you know, you've got to be able to roll with the punches. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was, you know, when you go down that, that path, there's certainly a lot to it. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of financing and, and, and legal that gets involved. Those are all things that are above my pay grade, but I was lucky to have a, a good team that could, could help me with that. And a lot of good local Cleveland people here that, that helped me. So I was very, very, uh, very lucky to have those, uh, those people in my life. How had, Peachtree evolved since its original founding prior to your involvement, you know, what, what is its kind of original story and impetus? Yeah. So they were, they were founded in 2015. So 
The virtual assistant space is is one that I didn't know anything about, quite frankly. I, I've got friends who live on the coast and, and everybody seems to have a virtual assistant, you know, in these big cities like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and everybody knows what it is. My friends that I talk to out there, people in Cleveland don't, you know, don't really know what it is. So my job is to kind of get the, you know, obviously I want to get my company's name out there to Cleveland, but, you know, just the virtual assistant space in general is uh is, is a big priority for me. So uh, they were founded in, in Atlanta, hence the name Peachtree, because everything in Atlanta is something to do with Peachtree. But she started off the old owner. Her name was Raquel Wilson. She's incredible. She's uh, She was a former virtual assistant herself, and, and she just uh, kept taking on more clients. And she realized that, you know, hey, I can I, I think uh, I can build a business around this. So uh, they, they had an incredibly loyal client base. Uh, I would say they were probably in probably 15 or 15 or so different states. They had VAs and I think uh, virtual assistants in about 20 states. But yeah, they they had built up a, a really loyal clientele. Raquel was big in uh, helping minority-owned businesses and female-owned businesses. And that was a real passion of hers. So we've got a very diverse client base as well as a very diverse group of virtual assistants. So as I said, she had built the mousetrap. It, she wasn't ready to you know, take it to that next level of, of scaling it, but she made that job easy by doing such a good job in, in her founding of it and, and running the business over the years. So now is probably a, as good a time as any. What are virtual assistants? What, what is this space? Kind of set the stage for us here. I get that question a lot. And a lot of people I, I talk to, I, they, they wonder if it's that thing that jumps out at the, the bottom of a website <laughs> on the bottom right-hand corner, if it's, if it's one of those things. But no, a, a virtual assistant is a, a live person, somebody who is, acts as an administrative assistant or an executive assistant, but they are, you know, rather than sitting in your office like a, you know, a secretary in the days of old, they are, uh, they're working remote, they're working from, from their house and they work on a fractional basis. So they, you know, some of them serve one client, some serve, you know, a number of clients. So it is something that is, it's really taken off, especially since the pandemic. It's it's a great option for for a lot of people out there that don't want to be full time W two employees. They want to have flexibility in their schedule. Be it moms with with young kids, where they can do things, you know, after hours. It's there's a lot of lot of benefits to it in terms of flexibility. So, you know, we we provide you know dedicated support. I mean, our slogan is providing dedicated support for the dedicated leaders. So, we are somebody that is you know helping. We wear a lot of different hats. We you know anything that can be done on the administrative level level that involves, you know, critical thinking, you know, we're a good partner for that. And and the I would say the lion's share of our clients are are solopreneurs and, and small business owners that are are doing everything like I did when I when I started my business. I was doing everything from the accounting to the sales to the you know to the marketing and and there's a lot of those tasks that you can offload and delegate to your virtual assistant. So it really is a great tool for anybody starting a business or or somebody who needs to uh, you know we always say you're better off working on the business rather than in the business. Because if you're if you're in the weeds, you're and and doing things that you know you could delegate to somebody else, you're you're probably not focusing on what truly matters, which is generating revenue. Yeah, I think we'll we'll spend a bit of time unpacking delegation and the the types of things that uh, you can run with there. I am curious because it it certainly makes sense in the in the wake of the pandemic that there's been a a, a boon in in virtual assistance. But I'm curious a bit about the the history of it and, and kind of how it's evolved over time. One of the challenges I, I could imagine with a virtual assistant is just is the kind of relationship development piece there. Um, sure. So I, I love to understand just you know kind of the the evolution of the space. 
the space has been around for for a lot longer than than many people know. And there there's different models. I mean, you, there are offshore virtual assistants that you can pay eight dollars an hour for in the Philippines, and and that works for for some people. I mean, you're not gonna you're gonna get, in my opinion, you're gonna you're going to get what you pay for there. It's more kind of task-based uh, things. There's not a lot of critical thinking, but it, you know, if that's your price point and, and you need X, Y, and Z done, then, then that may be a good option for you. But yes, developing that relationship with your virtual assistant is, is key. Our, you know, our secret sauce, so to speak, is our matching process. I mean, first of all, we're the virtual assistants we're hiring are going through a rigorous vetting process. I mean, they are all U.S. based. They're all college educated. So uh, they, they've got a number of skills assessments that they need to complete before, uh, you know, before we we bring them on as as our virtual assistants. So, uh, I mean, when you and if you're, you know, if you're working with a model where, you know, maybe an overseas offshore VA, you're getting matched with that virtual assistant and, and pretty much crossing your fingers and, and hoping that that works. But we we've got a whole corporate team dedicated to making sure that your work with your virtual assistant is is going to work because our goal let's let's call it what it is our goal is to keep you as a client for as long as possible and keep you happy because you know we do the one thing we don't do is you know you when you sign on with us you're not signing a long-term contract you know we're your month to month and you can leave at any time so our goal really is to provide the best service for our clients and and we've been very fortunate i mean i i, I it's not really industry knowledge, but uh, like our, our retention rate is, is through the roof. I mean, we're, we're over 95% of client retention, which is unheard of from other leaders I've talked to in this space. So if you, if you do a good job for people and they value your service, I mean, they, they, they keep coming back. And I mean, uh, I would say, you know, most of our, our new clients come from referrals from previous clients. So that goes a long way if they're, they're saying, Hey, this has been a life-changing thing for me. And in my business, you're going to tell your friends about it. And we're, we're here to help. So I, I think that's that's really helpful context. I want to just kind of go back a little bit here and understand as you were navigating the the transition itself. You, you mentioned that it wasn't quite set up or in a in a place where it, it could be taken to the next level. But obviously, you saw something in its growth and its history and its current state. What was this vision that that you had for for Peachtree, where it could get to? The previous owner, as I said, she was she was doing a lot. She was doing all the outbound sales calls, so to speak. She was doing all the marketing. She, I mean, and she, but she wasn't doing any lead generation or anything like that. To you know, at, literally every single one of her clients came from word of mouth, and they were coming to her. So I saw the potential with the machine that had already been built. If we could kind of go out there and and develop some more lead generation and get our name out there, get uh, you know, get the Peachtree name out there, and and have, you know, the, the more people we can get in front of and tell our story and tell, tell what works that that goes a long way. So that was my initial vision from it. As I said, the vision was to keep the incredible corporate team in place. A lot of them, a lot of people from the corporate team came from uh, one of the leaders in the virtual assistant staffing space, which is, which has been around for a long time, but they were great at what they do in, in each facet of, of our business. So I really leaned on them to, to kind of help me understand the business and, and, you kind of go through the the process and figure out what's working, figure out there's a lot of trial and error involved in it. But uh, the goal is if you can keep providing good service to your clients and, and they're happy and they keep coming back every month and you're adding new clients and you're adding, you know, bringing, bringing on more business than than's going out the back door, then you're, you're going to be a profitable business. And, and that's, uh, that's the model we try to follow. You had mentioned some of the, the points of, of differentiation, but I, I'd love to expand on that in what seems like quite a, a crowded market, how is it that you're able to differentiate against other virtual assistant organizations? 
Sure. I mean, there, there are, there's a lot of good ones out there. We'll, we'll start yeah. with that. I mean, there's, there's others, others in Cleveland that, that do a good job that I, I know the owner of, but you know, that it's, I would say for the, for the larger ones out there, they may be owned by private equity. They're, they're trying to hit certain metrics and goals. So everything is going towards that. We know how that works. I mean, the, they're spending $50,000 a month on, on marketing revenue and, and going out there trying to, to get leads. So our, our thing is, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to bring a client in just for a sale to get a number up on, on the board. You know, we, we truly want to make sure that we're going to be able, when we're talking to a new client, we, we turn away more clients than we, we actually bring in just because we don't, we're not going to tell them that this is a great fit for them only to come in and, and see that our, our service doesn't work for them. I mean, for instance, we work with a lot of law firms and, you know, we'll talk to a law firm and they're describing what they need done. And we're going to tell them, Hey, you, you probably need a paralegal for this or something like that, because there's there, you know, the VAs can do a lot of things, but there's also a lot of things that, that fall outside of their scope. So we, what sets us apart is our, you know, we really try to, to be honest and upfront and ethical and, and just, just let you know what we can do. And most importantly, what we can't do, but because it's, uh, that, that's important uh, you have to, when you're bringing in somebody new, because most of the clients that we're working with have not worked with a virtual assistant before. So they're, you know, this, this is a new learning curve for them as well. And they need to, uh, we need to kind of guide them through the, the process. And that's where we've got our, our team to, to help them, you know, ensure success once, once they get on board and, and to continue as long as they work with us. In that educational process, knowing that a lot of the, the folks that you're, you're working with at, from, from a customer standpoint are, have not worked with a virtual system before, what are some of the, the learnings that, that they'll, you know, have through this, this process? What are some of the misconceptions that people have about the space? Sure. What, are, what does that journey look like? Well, I, and I would say most of the, the people we're working with are, are owners or solopreneurs. And by nature, those, those people are, I would say, kind of control freaks. I mean, I can tell <laughs> you from, from being one that I, I fit in that, uh, in that box for sure. So the biggest way to ensure success is, is communication. A lot of owners, that we work with, they've always done everything themselves. So it's tough for them to really explain what they need done. It's tough for them to delegate and take things off their plate because they, they're so used to doing it themselves. But, you know, if, you know, we say this all the time that if you, if you don't have an assistant or a virtual assistant, then, then you are one because you're, you know, you really are doing a lot of that work and it's, uh, it takes up a lot of your time, quite frankly. And that is the the biggest hurdle. And if we can, we really do a good job at the, at, from the onset of, of making sure that the, the lines of communication are open, that everybody's on the same page, that you're, uh, you know, there's no such thing as over communication with your virtual assistant, especially at the, at the beginning. So, if you can, you know, make sure that the, those lines are are open and, and everybody's on the same page and you're all rowing in the same direction, then it, it generally works out for the best for everyone. It's it's a it's an interesting point because I I think the relinquishing of responsibility is always a very difficult thing for for someone, oh, yeah. particularly in in those roles, to to enact it and to do when you're trying to understand if it is a good fit. You know, what are what are some of the things that that you're looking for there? You know, and and what's fun about it is is it's all case by case basis. Every every business we talk to is is unique and different and has different needs. But we, our team that runs the business development and, and sales, they they've been in the space for so long that they that they can tell within the first five minutes if it's going to be a fit when you're having that initial consultation. So if they're I mean, a lot of times, if they're looking for for a unicorn, if if you will, that's that's uh, they're looking for somebody to do X, Y, and Z all across the map. That's uh, you know, we're we're just going to be straight up with them and tell them that listen, there are there are certainly other avenues for you to go down that, that could probably help you with those duties. Uh, but but we're probably not the best fit for you. But if honestly, if there's 
if there's anything in the administrative realm from, you know, whether it's calendar management, email management, you know, social media, things like that. I mean, those, those are all things that we do well, you know, as, as long as uh, we can, you know, set the proper expectations with them and what they're looking for, then it usually falls into place pretty well. So let's, let's unpack a little bit of, you know, what, what typically can be delegated. I was thinking through this actually in my own experience and, and just trying to, to gauge, you know, some of these, these responsibilities that, that can be relinquished. What typically do you see is, is where a virtual assistant makes the most sense and, and offers up the, the most value? Well, sure. And, and we're going to have to do this with you, Jeffrey, because I know you, you know, with, with everything <laughs> you're doing, first thing we do is the, is the VA checklist. So we, we go, th- uh, you know, we go through all your system and, and this is a great exercise to do as somebody who runs a business, regardless if you're going to use a virtual assistant. So you're, you're going through everything, uh, all the systems you're using and, you know, figuring out what is most important to your business. And, and it's, it really is an intern. You've got to look in the mirror. You've got to be honest with yourself and see what you're doing. You know, sometimes we encourage our clients to look, look back on their calendar the previous week and, and see what you've done. Where have you spent the majority of your time? And if you are, if you, if you go back and do that and you, and it all depends on your role. You know, there's some business owners that are more involved uh, heavily in the sales and business development and that there's some that are more operational minded. But if you're, if you find yourself where, where you're doing things where it's not best suited for you and it's not generating revenue for your business, then, then that's, that's truly when you, you need administrative help. So as I said, there's everything from, I mean, the, I would say the, the main things to check the box are calendar management, email management. Those are, those are always the two biggest things that, that people can come up with off the bat, uh, social media services, project coordination. There are, and, and I can tell you, we work with a ton of salespeople that, you know, they are on the fly. They're having 20 meetings a week with, with clients out there. And each one of those meetings you've got to be prepared for. So, uh, you know, my virtual assistant, for instance, she's always constantly doing write-ups, uh, you know, getting me prepared for meetings that I'm, uh, you know, doing backgrounders on, on the clients that I'm meeting with. And then afterwards, if you have a zoom call with somebody, you're doing follow-ups, same, same type thing. You're, you're, going through uh, the Zoom recordings and taking notes on that. It's, it's, it's literally, there, there's such a wide scope of services that, uh, that a VA can help you with. It's, uh, it, it really is amazing. And, and the good thing about, uh, you know, our VAs are, are multi-talented. So, you know, one may be well-versed in, in some other skills, that, and that, that's a big part of our matching process is based on your needs and, and their skill sets as well. So that's, uh, it's important that you're, you're all in line with that. I'd be remiss to, to maybe not call out the, the somewhat looming elephant in the room and curious your perspective on, on kind of the implications of, of AI here. Uh, particularly, I don't know, when you think about the, the human desire to, to automate tasks, sure. right. And, and I know there's a, a distinct distinction between delegation and automation, but, you know, just curious when, when you, when you see kind of the, the, the capabilities of, of AI here, what is the, implication for the the virtual assistant space yeah and, th- and that's a wonderful question I mean AI is the buzzword out there everybody's talking about it I'm, I'm reading more and about more about it I, I use it on my phone it's amazing how far we've come in such you know what it seems like a short time and I can tell you this I mean AI is AI is great I think for for certain tasks uh, and and honestly I mean as I mentioned earlier there is that uh, the virtual assistant model offshore where it's more kind of task based 
our, I think what sets us apart here with the U.S. based and college educated and highly vetted and matched uh, virtual assistants, we we really uh, pride ourselves on on being critical thinkers as well. So I mean that's uh, we we want to form a, a partnership with our client and and be able to not only work with the, the tasks they provide us, but we want to think outside the box and, you know, we want to pr- prove our value. And, and the, as I said, the goal for us as a company, as well as our virtual assistants, they, you know, if they like a client, they want to stay with this client as long as possible. They, they, you know, the, it, it behooves them to do it because, you know, they, they want to continue to, uh, to be employed by them. So I think the critical thinking and, and, that's that's one of the things where I mean we're we're not sure where AI is going. I mean once the once AI starts critical thinking, then I think we're 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 all going to be in uh, you know in for it a little bit even more than we are now. I think that that's going to be fascinating to see where that uh, that goes in in the future here. But yeah, for right now, I mean for for a lot of the you know, copywriters, things like that. I mean, that, that, that's where I would be, be a little nervous if I was in, if that's what we were doing. But I, I think that the fact that our virtual assistants are, are out there and, and really critically thinking and, and helping, thinking on the fly, doing things outside the box and, and really helping their clients there, I, I think that's not something that can be automated. So that's, uh, I think we're, you know, for, for now we're, uh, we're in a good spot, but hey, you, you never know what's coming down the, the pike, right? Mm, yeah. Judgment being the the key factor. Yes, there, exactly. Right? Judgment it is. It's uh, I've I, I've been fascinated by it. I, I I read articles on it every day, and there's there's a lot of opinions out there about where we're going to go with this uh, AI, and it's going to be, you know, certainly very interesting to to see what happens. Well, you know, it, it's it's hard to to focus on things that are are outside your control, within your locus of control. What comes next for Petri? Where where are you, where are you guys headed? What are you hoping to achieve here? So I bought the company in March of 2022. My goal of, in 2022 was to, as I said, keep the corporate team in place, which we were successful. We didn't lose anybody. Uh, we we just wanted to, you know, kind of right the ship, so to speak. You know, when there is a transition, uh, no matter what, uh, there there's always going to be some type of, you know, it, it's never going to go as smoothly as you think. But as long as, you know, I, w- I really prided myself on being transparent as a leader and telling everybody what my vision was for the company and and letting them know that I valued what they did and just because there was new ownership coming in that didn't uh, didn't mean that we we didn't still still need you as a critical part of the team so I think we were very successful in that we we've added to our corporate team uh, as I mentioned the the previous owner was was doing a lot of the business development and sales calls herself I was able to to bring on uh, somebody in that role who's been a leader in the space uh, she was with one of the the top virtual assistant firms out there, you know, she's been incredible. She's well-versed in the, in the business development and, and lead generation space. So she's been a great ambassador for Peachtree, really getting our name out there. And she's a wizard at the the networking and, and all that. So she's helped us a lot there, but our, yes, we've, we've, we righted the ship in 2022 and we were actually able to grow 25% in revenue year over year, even with that transition. So that was uh, that was a huge win for us. And, you know, 2023, we've got some, some lofty goals in terms of, uh, in terms of growth, but we, the, the good news is we're, you know, our, our team is, we're completely staffed up. We've got everybody in the, in the right positions where they need to be and all rowing in that same direction. So we've got, I think, uh, 50% growth goals in 2023 and we're, we're well on our way to hitting those. So we're, we're certainly excited about it. It's been, uh, it's been a great start to the year. Within Peachtree as an organization, are you able to effectively leverage virtual assistance for your own organization <laughs> absolutely it's uh it's the first thing i i did and, and when i uh when i took over the company i i had never had an assistant or obviously never a virtual assistant and 
I was a beneficiary of, of having who I consider the best virtual assistant in the business. Her name's Alyssa Hutton, and she uh, she's my virtual assistant, and she also supports our, our uh, business development team. But she was the old owner's virtual assistant, and she's incredible. She's been doing it forever. I mean, the the things that she does and the efficiency at which she does them is is incredible. I mean, things that would take me, you know, two days to do, she's doing in in, in a couple hours in the afternoon. And and, and that's just what really moves the needle. So we use our, our uh, talent pool of virtual assistants for all kinds of projects. You know, they're, they're obviously all working with our clients, but whenever we have something that pops up that, that needs to be done internally, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have such a, a deep bench of, of virtual assistant talent that can do so much. And it's, uh, it really is a cool thing. I mean, you had mentioned the, the, the proof, I guess, is ultimately in the retention of, of, of customers yep. over time. What has been the reception to the services that, that you're able to, to offer? Can, can you speak to you know, some of the, the outcomes, examples, feedback that, that you've gotten from, from, from folks that, that you're working with? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, as I mentioned earlier, referrals from our current clients. I mean, we have a, we have a, a very nice incentive for our current clients to send us referrals of people they know that, you know, business owners that would, you know, possibly want to use our service. And I would still say a large majority of our new clients come from referrals. And I think that's the highest compliment you could, can pay a company like us that you, you trust our services so much that not only are you staying with us month to month and, but you're also recommending people in your life that you you trust and value and want to see succeed. You're recommending our services to them. I mean that that's incredible. Just the fact that w- there's whenever anybody does that, I, I it really makes me feel good about our team and and the service that we're providing. I mean, you know, I say it all the time. The service that we we provide is is worth far more than we're charging for it. And I think you know if if you can stay true to that, and if if that continues to be the case, then then you're set up for success for the long term. It's uh, it, it's uh, I think that's tried and true. How do you view the proliferation of what we'll call the the gig economy and kind of temporary placement versus full time hires and and where you know the virtual assistant model kind of plugs into to that world? Yeah, it's interesting. I get that question a lot. I mean, doing it for a long time. I mean, being a recruiter and a headhunter, I I move around full time employees all the time. You know, so but it's. Uh, there's a lot that comes with hiring on a full-time employee, uh, especially in your office. I mean, it, it, there's always going to be training and onboarding and that, but that, you know, in, in terms of uh, financially as well, I mean, it's, it's, it's very expensive to bring on a full-time employee at 40 hours a week doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, one of the, the, the real beneficial things is of our services, you're using it on a fractional level. You're using it only when they're doing work for you. So our virtual assistants, the second they start working for you, they're clocking in. You're not paying them to to go on Instagram. You're not paying them to, you know, go to lunch and, and that it's uh, so that, I mean, I, I think there's a heck of a lot. To, it, it may be, if you're doing apples to apples comparison over a whole year, we're going to, we're certainly going to be more expensive option, but for the efficiency that, that you're getting from it and, uh, and, and the fact that you don't have to hire them on as a, as a full-time W2 employee, I mean, that, that goes a long way. So, I mean, the gig economy, uh, we've seen it with things like Uber and, and Lyft and, and all that. I mean, it's, uh, it's exploding. I mean, I talked to a lot of our virtual assistants out there and the, a lot of them were incredibly successful in their own careers and, and they, they just didn't want to do it anymore. They, they like the flexibility of being able to work in that gig economy, work on their time, you know, only take on clients when, you know, when it fit for them in their life. And I think that goes a long way with, with everybody. I mean, the, the way our society and, and life is these days, I mean, it's, it's just a, a natural progression. And, and I, I see that only continuing to evolve. What are the the biggest 
challenges that, that you foresee as as you've managed the transition and are working to to grow the company from here? A big challenge for, and, and this is a, a challenge and an opportunity, I think. I mean, I, I think if you talk to anybody out there, there's the economy of this country, there's, there's some things looming and we're not really sure how that's going to go. You know, so a, a lot of our, a lot of our clients are small businesses and inherently small businesses. They don't always, uh, they don't always make it. I, I've seen stats that, uh, you know, a large majority of businesses that are started don't make it to year one or don't make it to X amount in revenue. So, I mean, we, we don't lose a lot of clients candidly, but when we do, a lot of them are, they either lose their funding or, you know, their business isn't going to continue going on. So I would think that, you know, that that's always going to be a challenge when you're working with small businesses. There's a lot of variables, a lot of things that can happen. But but again, I, I think what else, there's also an opportunity when, you know, as the economy, as we're facing headwinds in the economy, I think that, you know, fractional fractional work like we do and, and being able to provide a service, that that's a, a stronger option for companies rather than, you know, bringing on people full-time W-2. So uh, there, there, it's got kind of a yin and yang to it. I, I think uh, there's certainly challenges with, with that, but within challenges always comes opportunity from, from where I sit. When you reflect on, on both of the companies that, that you've, you've grown over time to, to ask the, the startup versus acquisition question, you know, what do you feel are the most transferable parts of, of those two journeys? What, what do you feel is, you know, most different about them and how has it been, you know, transitioning from one to the other? Yeah, well, there's certainly when you're when you're starting something up. I mean, you you literally literally are all hands on deck, putting out every fire, and and you're going a hundred miles a minute. And and again, that's where I wish I would have had my my virtual assistant <laughs> services were, <laughs> uh, you know, a few years back. But um, I I think with with any good company for a company to succeed, you you really have to build it with the right people. You have to, as a leader of the company, you have to be transparent. You have to, and and more than anything, you've got to be a, a you've got to be empathetic, and you've got to be a good person. You know, there's everybody that you're you're working with that's on your team. You you have to, uh, you know, you really have to develop relationships with them, and and they need to know that that you align with their values, and and make sure that you are somebody that they they want to go on this journey with because there's there's a lot of options out there and you know whether it's you're starting a company who you choose to to get in the dirt with or you're acquiring one you got to make sure that the you know all the people in the organization are people that you want to work with and and want to go to battle with every day because it's uh you know that's that's extremely important i mean if you're you know, if you don't have the right people on the team and if, if, if there's not, you know, trust there and if you don't all have the same vision and goals, then I don't care if you're starting a business or acquiring an incredibly successful business, then you're, you're set up for, for failure there. So I, I think there's a lot of similarities in that, but they're, they are, uh, they are certainly two different things. I mean, if, if especially when you're, if you're acquiring a business uh, and as I said, you, you never know what's going to happen until you actually do it and you, you get, you know, actually get the ball rolling, but it's that due diligence part of it is, is extremely important just to just, you know, always check it and then check it again and check it a third time. I, th- I think that's uh, uh, at, at some point you got to take the leap and, and listen, not everything goes according to plan, but as long as you're, you're diligent about it more times than, than not, I think it's, it can set you up for success. For the the things that did deviate from the plan, <laughs> what uh, surprised you most? When I acquired Peachtree, you know, I had a number in mind of, hey, I'm going to put this back into the business in 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 year one, and 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 obviously that's uh, you, you want to do it on you know as fiscally responsibly as possible. But you know, as things came up, I mean, there were. 
things came up where I, I felt like, hey, I need to, you know, put more money into this business because I want to grow in this area. You know, I want to add some more more parts to the corporate team here. I need this person. And th- those numbers never exactly match up like you like they do on the business plan. But as, as long as you are, are doing it with the right people again, and as long as you are, uh, as long as you have good reasons behind why you're you're spending your, your money to, to build and grow. Uh, I mean, we we've gotten to we've turned that corner where we're, you know, it, it went a little longer than I would have liked the two to to actually get profitable with based on, you know, all that I added in fixed expenses. But we, you know, now that we've turned that corner, we're, you know, the fact that we have brought on the, the right people and we've got the, you know, the team in place to to build and grow for uh, the foreseeable future. That's uh, that goes a long way. It, it it's, uh, helps me sleep at night knowing that that we're uh, that we're staffed up and, and in a in a good spot for for the growth that we're we're uh, targeting. What advice would you offer up for for other folks in, in the area, you know, who are who are building, who are taking this journey? Uh, I I would say I I would say that I mean don't don't be afraid to fail. I mean at, at the end of the day, it's uh, nobody wants to go back with their tail between their legs, you know. But it's if you're going through the exercise of of maybe acquiring a business and and you've done your due diligence, trust yourself and trust your gut. I mean that that that's what it is at the end of the day. I mean you're there's a lot of things that we all do in our lives where we you know where they they could be considered a failure. But if if you can learn from that, that's the old adage. If you can you know, if, if you can learn from those failures, then then there's really no such thing as a failure. And and that sounds cliche, but it, it really is the truth. But but trust your gut and and don't be afraid to to take that leap because it's uh, it you know it can be incredibly rewarding. And and you're always you know I'm of the belief that you never want to be sitting you know sitting on uh, on your deathbed wondering hey what if I would have taken that chance uh, you know I wish I would have done X Y and Z. I mean because it's it's uh, listen you 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 take the leap you. Uh, you do your best, you work your hardest. And if it's, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. I, lo- I, I do love that, uh, mentality of the avoiding of, of end of life regrets. <laughs> you, you want to have tried. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, uh, when I started my business, it was, you know, it probably could not have been a, a worse time to start it. Just, just a sidebar. I mean, I, had my third child on the way. I was, as I said, I was leaving the cushy corporate job with a, a salary, jumping into the complete unknown. But you know, I scratched and clawed and and was able to build it. And 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 now I've, you know, been able to go on to this. So if I I, I was at that point in my life where I, I said to myself, if I don't do this now, I'm I'm never going to do it. And and I know people struggle with that all the time. I talk to, you know, I talk to friends that are, uh, you know, in the corporate space that are incredibly successful. And I mean inevitably they, they always bring it up to me. I, I, you know, I can't believe you actually did it. You took the leap. It's always something I've wanted to do. And it's, uh, you know, it, it you know, makes me feel good that I tried it and, uh, you know, just worked my, my hardest to, to get here. You know, there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be new things that come up, but there's always going to be opportunities that come up as well. So you, you take the good with the bad and you, uh, again, roll, roll with those punches. Yeah, no, I, it, it all resonates a lot. It's finding the, the right opportunities and, and being ready to, to run with them. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll close it out here, and I'll uh, I'll ask our our traditional closing question, which is is pretty unrelated to what we're talking about, but <laughs> is for uh, your favorite hidden gems in the area. Not for th- necessarily your favorite things, but for things that other people may not know about, but perhaps they should. So I, I'm Cleveland through and through. I was you know born and raised here. Uh, lived on the east side most of my life. I lived downtown for a while. Uh, I mean, Cleveland just has so much to offer. There's, you know, incredible, 
golf here, nature, all that. I mean, I, the one thing, you know, if, if I had to just pick that off the top of my head, I, I would say one thing I really enjoy doing is, is going to the Chagrin River with my, with my kids. I've got a young family. I've got three children. I've got two boys that are eight and 10 and then a three-year-old girl. And one of the things we love doing is, is just kind of hiking near that Chagrin River. And we call it sticking where we just walk around and, uh, you know, mess around in the dirt on the banks of the river. And I, I can tell you that, you know, especially when you have young kids who are, you know, there's always a challenge, you know, trying to get them away from their screens or this or that. If you can get them out in nature and see, you know, see hidden gems like that Chagrin River. I mean, I, I live in Pepper Pike and my parents are in Chagrin Falls. So it's kind of right in the in the middle of us there. And and my kids look forward to it every week in the, in the spring and summer. And it's just uh, just such a cool area. There's so much, you know, so many people there, you know, outside hiking, walking their dogs, people on horseback. It's just it's it's just such a, you know, such a cool environment that, a lot of cities don't have. So we're, we've, we've got a lot of cool things here in Cleveland. So I think that that's one of them. It, it's a beautiful place for sure. Well, John, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to, to come on and, and share your story and the work that you're doing with Petrie. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. And so thank you. Jeff, Jeffrey, again, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I'm, I'm glad to uh, have been on. You've, as I said, you've had a number of my buddies on and, and you do a great job getting your, your message out. So we, we certainly appreciate you and, and everything you're doing for the city. It's been, been my pleasure. Well, thank you. If people had anything that they wanted to follow up with you about, what would be the, the best way for them to do so? Our website is peachtreeva.com. And my, uh, my email is JM for John McKenna at peachtreeva.com. So, uh, always happy to, to talk with anybody. As I said, it's, uh, obviously the goal is to get peach tree out, uh, that name out there, but the virtual assistant space is fascinating and it's, it's growing. It's, uh, it's, it's been, been blowing up for a while now. I, I really want Cleveland to know about it. If we can, can help great businesses, uh, in that process, that that's, uh, that's a win-win for everybody. Right on. Well, thank you again, John. Jeffrey, it was a pleasure. Thanks, man. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with The Up Company, LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. 